0: Inspiration I can do anything Education Jeez. And application
1: Oh boy, it's gonna be
0: good Welcome to Like It Matters Radio Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy And teeing up solutions for today's big issues Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black
1: So welcome to the world of Mr. Black Welcome to the world of Mr. Black Have you ever considered what we remember affects everything we do? One of the biggest things that we do in life is we forget. And what we remember really dictates what we do in the now moment and what tomorrow looks like. To remember is to put something back together. To remember is to play Mr. Potato Head. Remember when we took Mr. Potato Head, his arms and legs off, you know what we did to him? Well, technically we dismembered him. We removed his members, we took off his arms and legs. So when we put back on Mr. Potato Head's arms and legs, what are we doing? We're remembering him. And today on Like It Matters Radio, I wanna talk about the power to remember. You know, when we read the Bible, I always read it as an instruction manual from the manufacturer. You know, God is our father, but he's also our maker. He's our creator, he's our manufacturer. I rented a car, I'm driving to Vegas. Uh, I have a, a leadership awakening class starting tomorrow night. And as I got this brand new vehicle, this Ford Explorer, the big one, I opened up a glove compartment. And in that glove compartment, was an owner's manual. See, that owner's manual told me where to find everything, what every light, what every symbol, where to find the jack, what to do in case of a flat tire, how the battery works, all the things that are unique about that vehicle that I, as the owner, in order to run it better, must know. And that, to me, is what the Bible is. It's basic instruction before leaving Earth. It is basic instruction from the one who created us. And it is interesting because the two greatest commandments, two things that our father, our manufacturer, puts in that book of his is, number one, to remember. The power of remembering. And number two, do not fear. And if we were just to learn from those two things, the two greatest commandments that our creator, that our daddy gave us, because our, our, our parents, right? Our parents want the best for us. Our parents tell us things that protect us. Our parents tell us things so that we don't have to make some of the same mistakes they made. And the manufacturer, why? They want to make sure you get the most out of what you purchased. The manufacturer wants to make sure that you can function this thing that you purchased from them that they made at the highest level. And so today, unlike It Matters Radio, I wanna talk about Memorial Day. You know, we just celebrate Memorial Day. And for those that don't know, Memorial Day is a day set aside to remember those that have died in combat service to our country. At these times, we think about the the price they paid and, and the rewards that we get to enjoy because of that price they paid. And what was the price they paid? They gave it all. Heart, body, and soul, they gave it all they gave their fleshly eye uh, life. It was Jesus himself who said that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for another. And so I want you to consider today, when you remember, what is it that you remember? What we remember from our past dictates what we do in the now and what we become in the future. And so today I want to talk about the power of remembering. You know, America is a much different class today. I'm sorry, much different country day than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Oh my gosh, totally different than it was during World War II when we took over and basically became a superpower. Today we're different. You know, I do a lot of grief counseling and there are people that have been together for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and you know it's interesting when someone who's been with someone else for a long time the when they lose that person you have really two different responses to that person that's still here. Number one, anytime that person thinks, anytime that person remembers anything about that other person, the person they were combined with, they, they connected with for the majority of their life. Sometimes when people think about that person, they remember that person, ah, oh, they got a smile on their face. Oh, they're glowing. Ah, they're so happy. They talk about them with, with good tears in their eyes. They talk about them with a smile on their face. They talk about them with, with a warmth in their heart. You can see they just, they're reliving it. And just the joy, the love, the incredible. And yet there are other people, when they think about the loss of a loved one, someone who they spent 30, 40, 50 years with, They can't even talk about them. It is so painful. It is so emotional. They break down. They get sad even thinking about them. They get depressed uh, when it comes time or under their anniversary or uh, Christmas or family times, they, they, they distance themselves from other people. And there's actually a study in this. You know, the people as they look back and remember people, why are some so painful? And why are some so joyful? See, it doesn't matter what they did together in life. What matters is how they remember it. And this is what I've said over and over and over. As a student of people, I learned this a long time ago. It's all about prepositions. It doesn't matter what happens to us. It matters what happens in us. You see, we all experience life one time And then it's codified, it's stored. And what matters is not what happened to us, but what matters is how we remember it, how we explain it to ourselves. It's about the narrative, it's about the frame. That's why it's so important to understand this thing called remembering. Because when we remember something, we put it back together. Now, it might not be the way we experienced it, but it will be the way we re-experience it. Because when we remember something and we put it back together, we put it, we experience it again. What do you think PTSD is? Post-traumatic stress disorder. It is an experience that happened and then it's codified in the senses what you saw, what you heard, what you felt, even though you don't realize it at the unconscious level, maybe even what you smelt and what you tasted. And what happens when those five coordinates are re-triggered, you actually re-experience it. My dad was a Vietnam War vet and he used to have night terrors where he would wake up in the middle of the night, two and three in the morning and be still half asleep and be fighting for his life like he was back in Vietnam. You see, he's been out of Vietnam, he's out of Vietnam for 30 years. But what happened was he remembered it. He remembered the exact pictures, he remembered the exact sounds, he remembered the exact feelings, and as he remembered it, he relived it, because we are a sensory-based organ. And so today on Like It Matters Radio, I want you to consider that what you remember and how you remember it It dictates so much. Remember, the body releases 63 known chemicals. And they're released based on three things. They're released based on our thinking, what we're thinking about. They're released based on our breathing. And they're released based on our physiology, specifically our eye placement in relation to that physiology. And those chemicals that the body releases then make us feel excited. They make us feel depressed. They make us feel turned on or make us feel turned off. And today we're going to talk about the power that we have Because it was Dr. Viktor Frankl who said Between the stimulus and the response, there's a space And in that space is our power It is our freedom What we remember and how we remember dictates a lot Now the good news, you're in control of it If you just get out of the pasture seat and get in the driver's seat so today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to talk about the power of remembering. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You've had a difference in your relationship with God, too. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, I was I was raised in a church uh, and I kind of stepped away uh, in, in my adult life. And this class kind of brought me right back to, to my faith. And that's a huge huge part of my life that's just been missing and I just I I feel rejuvenated if that makes sense that you know knowing that God's walking right next to me every day every night you know he's right here for me and everyone else for that matter but he's here for for me right now and you have some peace don't you oh it's 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 really amazing sorry I'm going to get emotional but it's it's, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling inside my heart. Like It Matters' unique approach allows people to see, hear, and experience leadership in motion. Like It Matters Radio. Radio Like It Matters. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is your Freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio Like It Matters. Today, we are talking about the power of remembering You know, in the Bible, the two greatest commandments given to us by our Creator, by our Daddy, Abba Daddy, has nothing to do with adultery or idolatry. And both of those are bad, don't get me wrong. Uh, It has nothing to do with sex, drugs, or rock and roll. The two things that the Bible says most often over and over and over, you ready for this? Number one, remember. And number two, do not fear. Remember, do not fear. Now, again, take a look at God from a manufacturer, from the guy who made the equipment, who now created an owner's manual. See, there are over 1,400 ailments that we know of today directly associated with fear. Remember, God says almost 400 times, do not fear. You know, I go through the 20 most common blocks to leadership in my leadership training. Fear of risking, lack of commitment, rescuer, victim, indecisiveness, low expectation of others, fear of failure, closed-minded, critical, lack of focus, needing to be liked, low self-worth, low self-esteem, focusing on problems, controlling versus empowering, having to work hard, having to be perfect, fear of rejection, fear of embarrassment, lack of purpose. Those are the 20 most common blocks to leadership, and I could put all of them pretty easily in one category called fear. False evidence appearing real. And Dr. S- uh, 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 Caroline Leap in the study of epigenetics says that 87% of all diseases are psychosomatic. Think about that. They start first with our thoughts. And what kind of thoughts? Fear. Worry. The Spanish word for worry is preoccupado. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. But the devil can't distract you from God. He will make you preoccupado. Because you cannot be committed and preoccupied at the same time. That's why I say the number one weapon formed against us is confusion. Because when people are confused... They don't step out. When people are confused, they don't step up. When people are confused, they don't speak out or speak up. And so it is a battle zone out there. And it's a battle zone in here. See, we just celebrated Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is the day to remember all men and women who died in US military service. And by the way, a lot of people don't know a lot of things about America anymore because we aren't remembering our past, we're wanting to wipe it away. Because today we live in America that only wants you to remember all the shortcomings of our past, all the ills of our past and negate any good, negate all the wonderful stuff. Could you imagine if you had a spouse that they got rid of all your good stuff and only remembered all the bad stuff. How long would you be married? Could you imagine if you had a parent that all they ever did was remind you of all the bad stuff you did and never, ever, ever recalled, recollected, reminded, remembered any of the good stuff you had ever done? Well, welcome to Joe Biden's America circa 2023. By the way, you know, what the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial's Day is Veterans Day honors, remembers everyone who has served. I served in the military. I don't talk about a lot. I was 17 years old. I did two years about basic on active duty than was in the inactive ready reserves. But I served. I got a marksmanship. I was a 91 Delta. I never went to war. I never went into a foreign country. So I don't talk about a lot. But I'm proud of my military time. And so on Veterans Day, a lot of times when they ask for anybody who served in the military, I I don't stand up because I feel kind of ashamed. Like I didn't really do anything. I just spent a couple of years. It's because of Memorial Day. Because Memorial Day is different than Veterans Day. Veterans Day honors everyone who has served. While Memorial Day is to remember those who died, those who paid it all. It is a day to remember and today I wanna to ask you, maybe I wanna beg you, what do you remember as you look in the past? Do you remember all the shortcomings? Do you remember all the pain? And by the way, since we're remembering Memorial Day and those that died, do you understand the amount of people that died in all the wars that America's fought? We go back to the Revolutionary War, right? Where we fought for independence against Great Britain. You know how many people died? 4435, 4,435. And then in 1812, there was a war that lasted, I think more than just a year. The War of 1812, 2,260 Americans died. Then the Indian Wars, you know, we think about how terrible we treated the Native Americans, a uh, thousand U.S. soldiers died in that, those wars. In the Mexican War, right? Uh, uh, the Alamo, draw a line in the sand right, 13,283 people died. Spanish-American War, 2,446 people died. World War One, the Great War, right? The first Great War, ready for this? 116,000, I'm sorry, 116,516. Every life matters, every death matters. In World War One. now look at the difference just a few years later with a lot more technology from World War I to World War II, what were they, about 20 years apart, something like that? 405, or 30 years apart, 405,000. If there's a World War III, that number will be in the millions because it's easy to kill people now. You got guided missiles, you got drones, you got nuclear bombs. So now a single bomb could kill 100,000 people. Korean War, by the way, 54,246. Vietnam War, 90,220. Persian Gulf War, 1,565. Global War on Terror, almost 7,000. Can you believe that? Almost 7,000. By the way, I left out one war. Do you know which war I left out? The Civil War. You know why? because it is the greatest loss. you know. I keep hearing this thing called reparations, reparations, and you know what, it is the ultimate divider. You give reparations to people of color, and this country's done, it's already done. But I think it's done, because you realize how many people like me, light-skinned, who have struggled all their life, who give every dollar they have to help someone else, who's missed the line of supposed white privilege, who's been homeless, who's been beaten on most of his childhood, who's never fit in with anybody. I've never been handed anything. I've had to work every day for everything I got to this day at 57 years old. And boy, I get really offended. But you know, I heard someone say, you know, those 500,000 deaths in the Civil War, there's are reparations. 500,000 Americans died so that black people could be freed. We weren't that big of a country. We didn't have 33 million people back then. We're talking a huge, I don't know what the population was. We're talking about 20, 25%, maybe 15 of America died so that black people could be freed. There's your reparations. Got this article uh, from about four years ago. It said, and by the way, the deadliest battle of the Civil War, which was 7,000 deaths. Where? The Battle of Gettysburg. Remember the Gettysburg Address, the Emancipation Proclamation, where America, long before any other country, you know, all, not all, I should say most, said, nope, it's not right to have slaves. That one battle alone, where the Emancipation Proclamation, where a famous speech was given 7,000 deaths, and that was by musket, by bullets, not by bombs, not by artillery, not by tanks, not by cruise missiles, a single death at a time, 7,000 Americans. So this article I got from uh, PBS.org says nearly 500,000 military personnel died during the U.S. Civil War. That's almost half of all Americans who have ever died during wartime. Again, to fight for the ending of slavery, it was the greatest loss of U.S. life ever. Almost half of all Americans who have ever died during any wartime battle in our 250-year history and more than 100 times more than died during the American Revolution. Think about that. And so Memorial Day, they decided to take a close look at the number of American servicemen who lost their lives during wartime in an effort to put their sacrifice in a broader perspective. But listen to this take on this. I never thought about this. Not long ago, most Americans were likely know an active military service member. But today, and this was four years ago, because of factors like the political cost of launching a military draft and the increasing automation and outsourcing military-related tasks, said fewer Americans have a personal connection to someone in the armed forces. During World War II, about twelve percent of the total U.S. population were part of the armed forces, 12%. And most people Knew somebody who had died in a war. To date, a nation of nearly 330 million people, 1.3 million Americans are on active duty, and another 800,000 serve in the reserves, which is what I did. Less than 1% are now involved, where before about 12%. See, ladies and gentlemen, we've forgotten. We've forgotten that this was a country founded on war. We've forgotten. The sign that don't tread on me. We've forgotten that we're willing to defend freedom at any cost. And then when anybody does anything that the deep state doesn't like, January sixth. Now they put it out and they they harass Americans. They 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 hunt down grandmas. They found a thousand people that they could prosecute for the January sixth, that little melee. But yet all the terror, all the riots, all the stuff going on. They don't can't seem to find anybody who's done all this bad stuff. It's time to remember. And today I want to discuss the importance of remembering because what you remember sets your focus. And the good Lord put the eyes in the front of our face because we move in the direction of our focus and we focus in the direction of our movement. So after the break, we're gonna go into the importance of what we remember and why it matters. We'll be right back. That's LikeItMatters.net. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. Many more people need to receive the benefits of leadership awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. Are you ready, warrior? Are you ready, leader? Are you ready, conduit? Because we were made to be warriors. And today, we just are talking about how we just celebrated Memorial Day. Those people who sacrificed it all, who gave heart, body, and soul for something they believed in and that something was America, America that's no longer the America today. You know, I talked earlier about when we remember things, you know, the way you remember things really dictates how you feel about them moving forward. I've counseled a lot in 31 years of, uh, of dealing intimately with people. And sometimes when someone's married for 30, 40, 50 years and lose that spouse, man, when they tell stories about them, they glow, they get good emotions, they smile. You can see the love they have for that person, the time they shared together. And yet, I've had other people, when I go to talk about someone they lost that had been together for 30, 40 years, they they just lose it. They go cathartic. I think they're going to curl up in the fetal position and start sucking on their thumb. Uh, It's traumatic. What's the difference? The difference is the way they put it back together. The difference is the way they store it. The difference is the way it's codified. The difference is the way they remember it. You know, I'm an etymologist. I love words and words have meaning. And right now people just throw around words without even knowing what they're meaning. That's why we're all speaking the same language but we're using a different dictionary. And I'm telling you, leader, warrior, conduit, take back your dictionary. Don't let people define words. You know what the words are and how to use them. We've got to remember that as a human creature, the Bible says the dog returns to his vomit and the sow after cleaning herself returns to the mire. And have you ever seen a dog go to his vomit and start eating it? You're like, oh, gross, why? You know why? Because it's a dog. That's what dogs do. And then you get a nice pig, maybe have yeah, a, ah, it's dog, it's a dog, man. And you're going to kiss that dog, he's going to lick your face, you won't think it's that disgusting then, right? <laughs> right? So that's what, you know, think about, it. people now have pets, uh, the pigs as pets, and pets love to wallow in slop, it it scratches their skin, it gets the bugs off them, it's what they're made to do. So you can, we, we hear about the prodigal son in the Bible, but how about the prodigal pigs? The pigs who you take out of the slop and you clean up and you put on a suit and you give them a Bible under the arm. But you know what pigs do at some point? They go back in the slop. See, the prodigal son, if you know the story, not Google it, look it up. The prodigal son left his daddy and he took his money and he wanted to go live and enjoy his life. And in that time when he went out to live and enjoy his life, he spent his money on prostitutes and and bad stuff. See, he forgot, he did not remember who he was. He did not remember that he was his father's son. And he lost that remembrance. And he went out and he became somebody else. And he did other stuff. But here's the question. If that son, who got to such a low point that he was eating the pig slop... If that son would have died eating the pig slop, here's your question. Would he have died as a pig? Or would he have died as the son of the father? See, he would have died as the son of the father who was acting like a pig. You know why? Because he didn't remember. Remember? He didn't remember who he was. He didn't remember whose he was. He didn't remember what he was supposed to do, what he was called to stay away from. The greatest commandment in the Bible that God gives us, our Creator, our Daddy, Right, parents, why do you tell your kids the same thing over and over and over? Anything you say to your kids over and over and over and over and over, why do you tell them over and over and over and over? Because it's important. And because you know what we believe? We believe what we say to ourselves over and over and over and over. You gotta get this. Why does the dog return to his vomit? Because that's what dogs do. Why does a pig return to the slop? Because that's what pigs do. Gross. Why does it? Why does a dog bark? Because it's a dog. Why does a cat meow? Because it's a cat. If I meowed, would I be a cat? If I barked, would that make me a dog? No. So you gotta realize. So why? What does the human creature do? Human creature goes to what it knows. Matter of fact, there's a proverb that says. You can tell a man's religion in time of despair. Because in time of despair, when your back's against the wall, you go to what you know. You remember. You remember the core things. You remember the core principles. And if those core things, those core principles are weak, then so will you be. But if you remember those core principles, those things that re- make you strong, that remind you of who you are, that remind you of what you're called to do. Because if the greatest commandment from our Creator, from our Abba Daddy, is to remember, there has to be another question. You know what that question is? Remember what? What are we called to remember? And that's the question. If I was to go back to a little me, and get down on one knee, and and look a five-year-old me in the eyes, and I would tell that five-year-old me, it's gonna be okay. I would tell that five-five-year-old uh, me that you're gonna you're gonna meet kings and 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 presidents. You're gonna change tens of thousand people's lives. God's gonna use you as a mighty warrior. But I would tell that me the very last thing: be careful what you remember, because we all experience life one time and then it's codified through the senses. Our brain is a sensory-based organ. Every single memory we have is stored in one of the five senses. I've been told if you know two coordinates, longitude, latitude, that you can find any place on this planet. Well, experience has five coordinates. What you were seeing, visual. What you were hearing, auditory. What you were feeling, either tactilely or emotionally, kinesthetic what you were smelling, olfactory, and what you were tasting in your mouth, gustatory. Those five coordinates create experience. And that's what deja vu is. Deja vu is when those five coordinates match five coordinates you've had before. So what happens in life, when we get knocked on our butt, when we get squeezed by life, we go to what we know. What does that mean? We go to what we remembered. And this is why we got to decide, what are we going to hold on to? Because when you remember something, you hold on to it. You put it back together. And the battles in the mind, we hear about it all the time. The Bible is replete with it's only on those things that are good and pure. It's the battles in the mind. Hold your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. The battles in the mind to transform your thinking, to not conform to patterns this world. The battles in the mind to guard your heart because all the issues of life stem from it. Battle is in the mind. So what do we remember? That's the key. Because what you remember is gonna either give you energy or take it away. What you remember is gonna either give you hope or give you fear. What you remember is either gonna make you hopeful or hopeless. What you remember is either gonna have you focus forward or focus in the past. And our past is history. We cannot live in the past. And whenever you got someone that wants you to focus on your past outside of when you're doing change work and clean up work with a counselor, outside of that, you're dealing with the devil. Just be clear about that. The devil's the accuser of the brother. And when he's accusing us, what is he accusing us? He's not accusing us of our future. He's recu- accusing us of our past. And as Carmen once said in a great song, he said, whenever the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. if you don't know what that is, go to, what is it, Revelation, I think 21, maybe 22, I think 21, it'll tell you. You see, in the study of transactional analysis, we understand there's a stimulus and response, that's called a transaction, it's the basis of communication. But here's the thing, our mind is six times faster we can talk, that's how God made us. And so when someone says something or does something, we don't respond to that, we go to what we remember. We remember things from our past. We remember things that were said to us. We remember things that we felt. We remember things that were done to us. And then based on that, we respond. See, we're not responding to the stimulus. We're responding to our narrative, what we remember about where that stimulus has happened in the past. See, there are three levels of living and life's about choices. There's survival, there's success, there's significance. If you're an animal, then you're just here to survive. If you're about the me, the selfie, and you know, look at my kingdom, then you're more about success. But if you remember who you are and you remember why you're here, then really what you want is that third level, which is called significant. And there are three roles of significant living. Every day when I send out my daily word text, I address the words to three distinct roles. Living a life of significant happens when Colossians 3.23 and Deuteronomy 6.5 cross. Whatever you do, work hardly as for the Lord, not for men. And then Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. If we want to live a life of significance, then we need to know how to do that. And so I believe we have three roles that we must remember three roles that when we remember these roles, remember who we are, remember whose we are, remember why we're here, then we can fight the good fight because I want to remind you, you are called to fight the good fight. Life is a conflict. I mean, look at the birthing process. A child's gonna break out. Look at growing pains. When kids are growing, their teeth come in and come out. Their legs get leg pains because they're stretching and growing. It's a battle. And the question today is, what you remember dictates how well you fight the good fight. And so today, I'm asking you, do you know the power of what you remember? And after the break, I'm going to explain to you why it matters so much. And if you don't like what you're getting, then maybe you should start remembering things a little bit different. We'll be right back.
0: Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of
1: things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but...
0: I
1: thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness.
0: If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net.
1: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Today, I'm asking you the question you know how important it is what you remember? And say so that's why there's a battle for the narrative going on in America right now. America, at least the deep say, is you to forget who we are. See, when you don't know who you are, then what to do is a lot harder. See, we used to be a, a, a country that followed after God. We used to be a shining light on a hill. We used to be a place where anybody can come and start fresh and your past wasn't hung over you, you had a chance to start anew, start afresh. And we've forgotten a lot of that. And that's why it's a call to, 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 to fight the good fight. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of people struggling out there. I deal with you every day. I have a lot of you call me up. We talk, you email me, you go to my classes. I'm getting ready to teach a class in Vegas with 10 people. Ten people, of which five of them are freebies. They didn't have the money to pay, and they don't know that, so we take care of it. See, that's what I believe. I see a need, I meet a need. I'm here to serve. I'm here as a conduit of God's love. I'm here to lead people to a better life. I'm here to fight the good fight as a warrior. Do you know who you are? This is why this radio show is important. Please like and follow us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash LIMradio. And like I said, we got 10 people in Vegas and five of them I'm paying for. I'm paying their hotel and meals. I'm paying for their materials. I'm paying them for them to resist me. We need your help. Man, you give money to all these political things and all these propaganda stuff and all this LBGQT. We're actually fighting a good fight. We're helping people whether they have money or not. Help us out. Uh, We have a nonprofit, a 501c3. Go to likeitmatters.net. Uh, and donate to us, man. Help us change lives. Help us let people know they matter. Help us clean up some of the stinking thinking and remember. Today, we're talking about the power of remembering. What you remember matters because remember transactional analysis between the stimulus and the response? There's a space, and in that space is our power and our freedom. Now, that quote was by Dr. Viktor Frankl, the, the father of logotherapy. But transactional analysis was Dr. Eric Burns' way to take the complex field of psychology and communication put into layman's terms. And so it was Dr. Burns that said between the stimulus and the response, there's a, I'm sorry, that that there's a stimulus and a response and that's a transaction. But now understanding how the human being works, we now know the mind is six times faster and we can talk. So taking Dr. Burns' transaction, there's a stimulus but because the mind is six times faster than we talk, we don't respond immediately to stimulus. What we do, do is we go to what we know. We go to our memory. We go to what we remember. And then we remember, we see something from our past. We say something about our past and we feel something based on that past. And then we respond. See, you're not responding to what that person said or did. You're responding to your filter through your remembrance, what you're remembering about your past and what they said and did. And then based on that, you're responding. You're not responding to what they said or did. You're responding to your explanation about what they said and why they said it. That's the deal. And so you can live in one of three areas. You can live to survive. You're a squirrel just working to get your nut. It's America today. Or you can be a little more self-motivated and talk about success, get your following. You know, maybe release the sexist tape so people follow you on Instagram or whatever. Maybe do naked pictures on your Instagram so the more people follow you on Facebook, Right, That's success, building a kingdom for yourself, building a following. And that's better than survival because even by just chance, you're gonna feed some people through your success. But the key that we all want is significance. And see, there are three roles that we play in life, warrior, leader, and conduit. See, leader, we live in a world where people are looking for people to follow. Whether we're talking about social media or daily actions, people are looking for people to follow. And neurosocial conditioning tells us that there are two primary drivers in life. There's the desire for pleasure or the avoidance of pain. In other words, we're either moving towards something we want or moving away from something we don't want. I mean, Bill Graham told us years ago that Christians do more to scare people away from Christ than anything the devil could ever devise. People are either using us as an example of what they would love to be like or they use us as an example of what they would never want to be like. We must realize all the time as a a leader that people are always watching. And since they are always watching, we gotta live our lives, lead our lives in a way that is pleasing in God and allows other people an example to follow. Leadership is a loop. I learned this a long time ago, I teach this. We've gotta flex our pecs, P-E-C. It's an acronym, permission, example, culture. We give people permission through our actions, leaders. A picture is worth a thousand words. What you are doing speaks so loudly that people can't hear the sermon you're preaching. So we're called to be a leader who gives people permission to do good, to do godly things, and create a culture that allows for those things to manifest in other areas. And then there's the conduit. You know, there are only two vessels that we can be as human beings. We can be a cistern or a conduit. A cistern holds things. It's like a vase or a vase, a cup or a bowl. However, a conduit is a pass-through agent. You know, think about this. The Dead Sea is one of the lowest places on the earth. Only a few underground waterways feed the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. That is why it is dead, because it feeds nothing. And let's be honest. Many people have poured into us. We have been a receptacle of blessings, time, resources, resources. The question is this, what are you doing with those resources? Are you holding on to them and storing them up for yourself? Or are you pouring into others so that you're building people? Let's be honest, we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. We have so that we can give. That's why I live by the motto, see a need, meet a need. God is my Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. God is my portion. So when I see someone that needs something, if I have it, I give it to them. I see a need, I meet a need. That's why even though we're struggling financially in the economy, when people wanna go to my class, I let them go. That's why we have a 501C3 so people can donate. Now, unfortunately, a lot more people go for free than choose to donate, but they're donating political things, they're donating to the LGBTQT stuff, they're donating to Target. But how about donating to, like it matters, people who are actually making a difference who are changing lives, who are saving marriages, who are saving lives, who are bringing people to the presence of a a righteous, forgiving God. We have so that we can give. When we think about ourselves as a conduit, we know we are a pass-through agent. Everything we have is meant to flow to others, to bless others, to be a conduit of wisdom, to be a conduit of knowledge, to be a conduit of time and of blessings. And for me, Jesus is my example of the ultimate conduit. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And Jesus doesn't just deserve the tithe. It's all his. So pass it on to somebody else. But the third role that I always address to is warrior. Because I'm going to tell you right now, too few people are fighting the good fight. People are rolling over and dying. People are afraid to be canceled. People are afraid that they're going to pay an economic consequence. That's not a warrior. That's a survivor. And again, are you here just to survive? Or are you here to live your life like it matters? God says it's impossible please and without faith. You know what faith is? It's a bunch of BS. It's a belief system. And we're called to wage the battle of the mind. Paul, in much of his writings, uses warrior metaphors. We're called to fight the good fight, to put on the armor of God, to hold our thoughts captive. If we are married, we should be fighting for the sanctity and purity of our wedding bed and our thoughts. If we are parents, then we should be fighting for the innocence of our children from a world that's looking to pervert and twist them into children of the world instead of children of God. If we are in business, we are to be fighting for market share, for viability in the marketplace. If you are going to live your life for God like like it matters, we must rise to the challenge as warriors. You've got to remember that we are called to give, to serve. The lowest common denominator, you remember that, it's the single most important principle to successfully working fractions. And let's be honest, we are all fractured people. Romans 3.23 says we all fall short of the glory of God. Daniel Patrick Moynihan observed this fact in 1965. This was what he wrote. From the wild Irish slums of the 19th century eastern seaboard to the riot-torn suburbs of L.A., there's one unmistakable lesson in American history. you got to remember this. A community that allows a large number of young men and women to grow up in broken families dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship to male authority, never acquiring any set of rational expectations about the future, that community asks for and gets chaos. And there's conflict all around us. The question today is, are you willing to fight the good fight? Go to likeitmatters.net. Let me get your battle ready so you can fight that good fight. I am Mr. Black, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.